I think you're supposed, when you're speaking, I think you're supposed to have water, but, you know, I'm like, hey, there's power in the blood, but there's power in the coffee too. Amen? Amen. All right, don't throw anything at me yet, okay? All right. Man, worship was good this morning, wasn't it? Oh, I was just crying, and I'm like, my makeup's going to be running down my face. You guys don't have to worry about that. You can just let it go and come right on up here, and not a worry in the world, but hopefully, hopefully we're all back where we should be at this point in time. But, well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, if you don't know me, if I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, uh, my name is Mary, and I'm one of the pastors here at LifeSpring. I'm also Pastor Dan's wife for almost 16 years. Yeah, you can clap for that. Um, those of you that know us really well, you should clap a little louder for that, because Jesus. Marriage is hard, but it's so good, right, you guys? So good. Well, it's really, it's always such an honor to be up here teaching the Word of God, and I take it very seriously, but those of you that know me, I don't like to take myself too seriously. Um, so I found that opening my sermons with a few, I know you've all been waiting for this, a few amazing dad jokes uh, just kind of helps get all the awkward out up front so I don't have to be stressed out about it during the sermon, right? Um, so is, there's a chance it might also be the best part too. So you're really going to want to pay attention. Okay. Are you guys ready? All right. Okay. Uh, how was Rome split in two? With two Caesars. Get it? Caesars. All right. All right. All right. Nope. They get better. Uh, where do you find a cow with no legs? Right where you left it. Come on, guys. Come on. Okay. A little bit more relevant joke. What do you call two monkeys who share an Amazon account? Two monkeys that share an Amazon account are called primates. Get it? Because they're monkeys and the... Yes. Yes. Okay. You ready for the finale? I need a drum roll. What do you call a fish wearing a bow tie? Oh, he is sophisticated. He's sophisticated. All right. Yes, thank you. Yes. So I just feel like if you start that bad, really, you can't go anywhere but up, right? Amen. Okay. All right. Seriously, though, how is everybody doing? Yeah, you're good. You guys are all with me. All right. Well, if you're with me, we're going to be in the book of Acts, right? What an amazing book. Uh, the book of Acts is all about the beginnings of the Spirit-filled church. And that's us, right? That's us. If you're visiting with us today, we are a Pentecostal church. And so what that means is we believe in direct personal experience with God through the baptism and gifts of the Holy Spirit. So the book of Acts, this is our history. Last week, Pastor Dan talked to us about who? Oh, you, that's cheating. Anybody else? Anybody else was here? Anybody else? All right. Yes. Dan talked about Paul, and he talked about his conversion and transformation because he had an encounter with who? With God. Yes, there you go. And this week, we're going to pick up where he left off at the end of chapter 9. So go ahead and open your Bibles or your Bible apps. Um, some of you, this is where you get your readers out. Um, listen, I am one eye appointment away from needing those, so I'm really just trying to normalize it. Okay, um, and this is for the ladies, but aren't they a lot cuter than they used to be? So now when you need readers, you're just like, I get to go have a new fun accessory, not I'm two feet closer to the grave, right? Okay. All right, so <laughs> we're going to be reading in Acts chapter 9, and we're going to start in verses 32 and read through 45, and it will be up on the screen real big if that's where you want to look at it as well. 
All right, 32. Meanwhile, Peter traveled from place to place, and he came down to visit the believers in the town of Lydda. There he met a man named Aeneas, who had been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your sleeping mat. And he was healed instantly. Then the whole population of Lydda and Sharon saw Aeneas walking around, and they turned to the Lord. There was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time, she became ill and died. Her body was washed for burial and laid in an upstairs room. But the believers had heard that Peter was nearby at Lydda, so they sent two men to beg him, please come as soon as possible. So Peter returned with them, and as soon as he arrived, they took him to the upstairs room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other clothes Dorcas had made for them. But Peter asked them all to leave the room. Then he knelt and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Get up, Tabitha. And she opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. And then he called in the widows and all the believers, and he presented her to them alive. The news spread through the whole town, and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed a long time in Joppa, living with Simon, a tanner of hides. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just come to you this morning and we say our hearts are open, Lord. Would you just soften up the soil, Lord, so that the word that you want to speak forth this morning, God, through me, would fall and grow deep, Lord. Would there be something that you have for every single one that has ears to listen this morning, Lord? Would your word come alive? Lord, would it just speak and move and breathe over all of us this morning? In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's go back and unpack this passage a little bit. Um, We're going to be looking at it from a few different angles this morning, so just um, stay with me. So the first verse, let's start with the first verse. In verse 32, uh, it says, meanwhile. All right, well, let's stop right there. Some of you are really nervous right now. You're like, is she going to go one verse at a time through this whole path? No, I'm not going to go one word at a time, not today. But I do want us to stop for a second and just see what is happening in this meanwhile. Um, It's not too hard to find out because what we do is we just back up a few verses and we see what it says. So let's start reading in verse 28. It says, So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. When the believers heard about this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown. Here's where I want you to pay attention. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. And it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. So what is happening here is that the church is spreading, right? It's going out. Do you see also that there are three specific cities mentioned here that are mentioned somewhere else in reference to the gospel? So I see, I see Jerusalem, I see Judea, and I see Samaria. Is it ringing a bell for anybody? Where else did we recently hear this? How about back in the beginning of Acts chapter 1, verse 8? It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, where? In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, 
in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So, this is what Peter is doing. The church is growing, and the word is spreading, and lives are being transformed. Peter is now headed out to start checking in on the saints. So he's kind of starting to go out and do some uh, church visits, or bodies of believers at that time. It says he was traveling from place to place, but he stopped first in the town of Lydda. Um, I'm a little bit, I like to kind of know in my brain what I'm referencing to when I'm talking about cities. And, and so um, these ancient cities sometimes are a little bit hard to figure out where they were if if you don't know where the ancient cities were. So if anybody's ever been to Israel, if you've flown into the airport, the Ben-Gurion airport, that is the ancient city of Lydda. It's uh, also called Lod right now. So that's where Lydda is at. Um, So what we do know is there he met a man named Aeneas. And we don't get a lot of backstory on Aeneas at all. Like, we don't know even if he's a believer. We don't know if he's a friend or if he's a friend of a friend. Um, but what we do get to know, because I think it's because Acts was written by Luke and Luke was a doctor, is that we get to know that he cuts right to the chase and lets us know what we do get to know about him, and that is that he has a physical ailment, right? He's sick. He's paralyzed, and he's been bedridden for eight years. Uh, and then the other thing that we get to know about Aeneas is that he doesn't stay that way, right? The next verse says, Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your sleeping mat. And he was healed instantly. Yes. Woo. All right. So I want to stop right there, but we're going to circle back on this. So let's move on uh, to 36. This is also another meanwhile um, so this is happening while Peter is hanging out and healing Aeneas over in Lydda. So it starts um, in verse 36. They are in Joppa, and Joppa is about 14 miles northwest of Peter is currently. So it says, There was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time, she became ill and died. Her body was washed for burial and laid in an upstairs room. But the believers had heard that Peter was nearby at Lydda, so they sent two men to beg him, please come as soon as possible. Now remember, he's about 14 miles away by foot, so this is not going to be a fast return, but as soon as possible. So Peter did return with them, and as soon as he arrived, they took him to the upstairs room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other clothes that Dorcas had made for them. But Peter asked them all to leave the room, and then he knelt and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then he called in the widows and all the believers, and she present, he presented her to them alive. So there's two accounts of healing here, right? One is a physical ailment, and the other is a physical death. And I want to ask you, do either of these accounts sound familiar to you? Do you you feel like maybe you've heard them somewhere before? They're ringing a bell right now? Well, they should. I want to read to you from Luke chapter 5. And if you guys remember, this is the story of the paralyzed man. We all, like the kids, this is the classic Sunday school story. But it's the story of the friends who brought their paralyzed 
friend to Jesus, and they had to lower him down through the roof because there was no way for them to get in through the front door. And so they get him down to Jesus, and Jesus tells him what? Does he heal him right away? Well, the first thing he says to him is, your sins are forgiven, right? And oh man, does that fire up all the religious guys that are there to kind of just watch the show, right? And so Jesus is like, okay. And so we pick up in verse 22. Jesus knew what they were thinking. And so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he turned to the paralyzed man and said, what? Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. So that sounds familiar, right? Okay. And then I want to read to you another account from the book of Mark. This is the account of a man named Jairus and what happened with his daughter. So in chapter 5, starting in verse 21, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, My little daughter is dying. He said, Please come and lay your hands on her and heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. So in the middle of this commotion, we also have the woman with the issue of the blood who comes up and touches the hem of Jesus' garment and is is healed instantly. But we're going to pick back up in 35, and it says, While he was still speaking to her, the woman, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and they told him, Your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them. And he said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. And then Jesus, what? He stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing, starting to sound familiar. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. He took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying, held her hand, and said to her, Talitha Kaum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. So I wish I had time to really walk out all the parallels that are in these miracles, but you guys are seeing it, right? You're seeing it. In both of these accounts we read in Acts today, what is Peter doing? What is Peter doing? He's doing what Jesus did, right? He's doing what Jesus did. He is doing what he saw Jesus do. He's literally saying what he heard Jesus say. He's not trying to reinvent the wheel here. He spent time with Jesus. A lot of time with Jesus. And Peter, all throughout the New Testament, and really specifically as we read here, sounds and acts an awful lot like Jesus. He can't help it. Have you ever subconsciously taken on the traits of somebody that you've spent a lot of time around? Uh, Spouses? You ever start finishing each other's sentences? That's weird, right? It's weird and uncomfortable. But how about any of you, have you ever spent time with somebody from the South? 
How long does it take before the y'alls start pouring out, right? It's a great word, y'all. Why don't we use that? It just like rolls off the tongue. So fun to say. Bless your heart. Yeah, but... (laughs) But the point is, church, like, get near Jesus, and you're going to catch his manner. The Bible says we are to be imitators of God. And what does it mean to be an imitator? I like words, so I always like to look up definitions. And according to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, an imitator is a person who adopts the appearance or behavior of another. And I love this part, especially in an obvious way. Are y'all so much like Jesus because you spend so much time with Jesus that it's obvious to everyone that knows you, to everybody that you encounter? Because here, there was no subtlety. Peter is literally imitating what he experienced when he was with Jesus. Now, I want to point out there's also an important difference in both of these events. Um, Notice when, uh, you'll notice it when Peter addresses Aeneas, and it says in verse 34, Aeneas, who? Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your sleeping mat. And then in verse 40, but Peter asked them all to leave the room, and then he knelt and prayed. And then turning to the body, he said, get up, Tabitha. So Peter was operating in the full authority of and giving full credit to the Spirit. He was doing just as he and all of the other disciples were commissioned to do before Jesus ascended from the mount after his resurrection, right? Oftentimes we start the Great Commission passage with the verse 19 that says, Go into all the world. But um, the first word that is there is therefore... And as much as righty-tighty, lefty-loosey is just the best life practical advice you could ever have, when it comes to reading scripture, there's one just as good. And if you know it, you can say it with me. But whenever you see a therefore, stop and see what it's there for. Right? That's a good one. You got Dan would say, tattoo that. <laughs> you put righty-tighty, lefty-loosey on the other one. Okay, so there is a therefore. So let's... See what it says in the verse before. Verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Say it with me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I have given you. Be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And then in Acts 1.8, says, But you will receive, what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then what? You will go and be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So by and with the authority and power of the Father, Peter has been sent out to be a witness and to tell everyone all the way to the ends of the earth. Okay, so I'm a really visual person, and at this point in the sermon is when people usually begin to check out just a little bit. So I'm going to move over here to my whiteboard. So we just saw how strikingly similar, yet very importantly different, 
uh, these accounts of what Peter was doing, um, Peter doing what Jesus did. So I want to look at both of these amazing healings in two uh, additionally different ways. So I want to look at them in the natural and in the spiritual. All right. So on the natural side of things, we can list their physical ailments, right? So uh, Aeneas, he was paralyzed. And Dorcas was dead. That's pretty obvious, that one there. Okay. The natural result of their encounter with Peter was that Aeneas was no longer paralyzed and Dorcas was no longer dead. All right, also obvious. Um, Now, in our church, as well as in my own personal life, um, I and we have experienced so many powerful healings, right? Praise God. Okay, so I want this to be interactive. Wake up a little bit. Like, let's let me know you're with me. So what I would like to do is I would like for you to just start shouting out things in the natural that you have experienced healing in. Migraines. Cancer, praise God. Amen. Back pain. Missing. What? Sorry, one more time. Birth. Okay. Um, mine was infertility. Dan, chronic pain. Anything else? Anxiety. Cancer. Substance, asthma. COVID. Amen. Like, you see all of this here? And these are the natural, in the natural. These are the things that we see. And amazing and wonderful and praise God that he does these and he continues to do these. And we are blessed and we're encouraged and we're strengthened um, when God comes and he does all these natural, what do we call these signs and wonders, right? But these, as amazing as they are, you guys, and as amazing as these natural healings were for these two people up here, for me and for all of you, these are not the point. These are the signs, right? And as I heard a pastor say, and this is so good, and so I'm totally stealing it. Um, I don't know his name, otherwise I would give verbal credit. But um, this is, the point of the sign is not the sign. The point of the sign is to point you in the direction and something greater than the sign. Amen? Amen. So let's go over to the other side, to the spiritual side. And I want to begin to start to list spiritual healings that these are pointing us to. So let's just start with Aeneas and Dorcas. So Aeneas was paralyzed. And how many of you have ever been paralyzed in the spirit? And Dorcas, she was dead. We all have been dead in our spirits. 
Amen? And so what happened here is that Jesus, by doing this in the natural, is pointing to what he can do in the spiritual. And when he raised Dorcas from the dead, what he's pointing to is that in the spiritual, he gives life to the things that are dead. So what I would like to do now is I would like for you to start sharing and shouting out the things in the spiritual that Jesus has healed you from in this room. How about uh, fear? Amen. How about a broken spirit? Anger. What? Double-mindedness. Hesitancy. What about bitterness? Rejection. Unforgiveness. Hopelessness. And the list could go on and on, right? So I wanted to talk about the spiritual death, and I did allude to it before, but that's all of us before we say yes to the resurrection power that comes by yielding our lives and putting our faith in Jesus Christ. But then there's also all these spiritual ailments. There's pain, and there's brokenness, and there's places that just need a miraculous touch from God in here, right? So these over here, these are the signs. But the point of the sign isn't the sign. The point of the sign is to point you to something greater than the sign, which is Jesus and what Jesus came to restore, which is his kingdom. kingdom, you guys, where death is not normal. Author Tim Keller comments, we modern people think of miracles as the suspension of the natural order. But the Bible tells us that God did not originally make the world to have disease, hunger, and death in it. Jesus has come to redeem where it is wrong and heal the world where it is broken. His miracles are not just proofs that he has power, but also wonderful foretastes of what he's going to do with that power. Jesus' miracles are not just to challenge our minds, but a promise to our hearts that the world we all want is coming. Amen. Any healing of the body is at best temporary. It is a way to illustrate the wonderful and eternal healing of the Spirit which is what God really wants. It is a physical manifestation of the restoration of heaven. All of Jesus' ministry, the words he spoke, the miracles he performed, showed that there was a new order in town, right? God's order. When Jesus healed the diseased, raised the dead, and forgave the desperate, he did did so to show that with the arrival of God in the flesh came the restoration of all of the the way God intended things to be. New life was given, 
Health was restored. God was reversing the curse of death, disease, and discomfort. That's the amen all by myself, I guess. Amen. amen. I'm going to have the worship team come back up. But you guys, hopefully you noticed that I skipped over some pretty important parts of these accounts. In both of these healings, what was the result? It says, in response to Aeneas' healing, verse 35, Amen. Then the whole population of Lydda and Sharon saw Aeneas. They saw Aeneas walking around, and they turned to the Lord. The point of the sign is not the sign. The point of the sign is to point you to something greater than the sign. And in verse 41, he gave her his hand and helped her up. And then he called in the widows and all the believers, and he presented to her, to them, alive. The point of the sign was not the sign. And the news spread throughout the whole town, and many believed in the Lord. So Aeneas and Tabitha were physically healed, but they became a living, breathing sign of the wonder-working, awesome power of God on display in the natural. Because remember, church, the point of the sign is not the sign. Look around. I want you to look at all of you here and here on that sign. You are all signs of the power of God on display. So if you're not over on the left, you're certainly over on the right. And you're certainly where it says dead. You have certainly been there. Amen? If you have said yes to Jesus by acknowledging that you're a sinner and that you are dead without the resurrection power of the cross and that you need forgiveness, that you have put your faith in him and are now filled with the power to do all that he has set forth for you to do, you are there. You are alive in Christ and your spirit is alive with Christ. And if you're on either side of that, be a sign. Go out and be a witness to those around you that need hope and healing and restoration and life. Point them to the one who can do all of that and more. Introduce them to the one who can radically transform them from the inside out. You all hang out with Jesus. I know you do. I can see it on you. I can see it in you. I can see it around you. And just like the definition says, it is obvious. But if you are truly imitating Christ when you're about his business, people are going to notice. Because I don't know if you know this, but it's really easy to stand out right now if you look and sound like Jesus. Right? We're surrounded by hopelessness, depression, anxiety, fear, bitterness, rage, war. If your difference is obvious, people are going to see it. And what are you pointing them to? Because Jesus came to reestablish his kingdom on earth and to bring life to what was dead and healing to what is broken, wounded, and hurting. And church, my prayer for us this morning is, may it be as it says in the scripture, that the news spread through the whole town, Edgewood, Milton, 
federal way, and many believed in the Lord. Amen? Would you stand to your feet this morning? God, this morning, first of all, I just want to pray that if there's anybody here that has not experienced the resurrection power of bringing dead things to life with you this morning by saying yes to you, God, I just pray that today is the day that they put their faith and trust in the one that restores, the one that gives life to the dead things, the one that paid the ultimate cost on the cross, Jesus, so that death no longer had a grip on us, that we can live free and alive because of the price Jesus paid. I would just encourage you to open your heart and put your faith in Jesus this morning. And I also want to pray if there's anybody in this room that you need a physical touch from the Lord this morning. That God, you would move and that your power would be on display this morning. I pray that over spiritual healings as well, Lord. If there are places that are broken. God, Tabitha was dead for a while. And all hope was lost. But when you came and brought resurrection life to her body, Lord, most importantly, you showed us what it looks like when you bring resurrection to the dead things. And God, those things that maybe we've buried this morning, would you just breathe life over those things? God, would you begin to put a heartbeat back in a place where there's no heartbeat any longer? Lord, that just life would begin to flow. And God, that with your power and with your authority, that we can take those signs with us and go out and let the world know that the point of our sign is not our sign. The point of our sign is point them to the one who can restore and heal and resurrect. I love that song that we sang this morning. It says, Great Are You, Lord. And it says, It's your breath in our lungs. And I, and I thought about Tabitha, and I thought as the breath of her body returned to her, that God restored that breath, that then she used that breath to praise the Lord. She used that breath to speak forth the things of God. She used that breath that God had put back in her body to share the gospel and the good news of the kingdom of God. So as we sing this morning, church, would you just let God breathe his life back into your lungs? And as you lift your voice to praise, that you would be a testimony of God's wonder-working kingdom restoration power. Amen.